Here is a motion picture film, a thousand feet, 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. オウムという Hey, Angela. Hey, Bobby. Thank you for sitting in on this particular episode. No problem. It's great that you're here. You're always willing to do all the crazy stuff. Absolutely. Especially when people cancel. It's kind of been a wild time. Mm-hmm. Originally, Johnny and I were supposed to be discussing this movie. Yeah. Because uh, it's kind of right in the wheelhouse of what we're trying to do. But Johnny's going through some shit. I don't know when he'll come back or if he will. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of changes going on in a lot of people's lives right now. You know, I keep having to remind myself that we're still technically in pandemic time. We are, and I don't know when this comes out, but hopefully things are not going to shit by the yeah. time it does. Yeah, because we got some tri- trips we need to take, so... We got some trips we need to take, but there's also this uh, Delta variant... Surge. The Delta Berk variant. Surge that's happening right now. Where the Delta work variant. No, that's it's the drag Del- queen. That's a drag queen. Oh, it's a that's a Delta work. Well, the Delta Berk variant. Mm. It's all the same symptoms, except you talk in a southern accent <laughs> and you eat like every all the food in your fridge. <laughs> oh, Bobby. We're chubs making fat jokes. It's okay. <laughs> Today we're talking about one of my, for lack of a better term. Favorite cults. Yeah. And you know what I you know what stood out to me the most when watching this movie? Is that there's merchandise everywhere. This dude's face is all over oh, everything. They had yeah. shirts, posters, pictures. Yeah. I was watching this movie being like, is it bad I want all this? You know, is it bad that I want a t-shirt with Shoko Asahara's na- face on it? I mean... He literally orchestrated the death of the 14 people. You... Yeah, if you want that shirt, you just have to be, like, ready for someone to not understand. Remember when people... Why you would be wearing that shirt. Remember when people were wearing Charles Manson shirts? Mm -hmm. And I think it was because Axl Rose wore a Charles Manson shirt in a Guns N' Roses video. But then you would see Charles Manson on t-shirts for a while. You don't really see that anymore. No. I can't say I've ever seen a serial killer on a t-shirt. Are there Eileen Warnock shirts? I feel like there must be. I bet if you do any shirt, it'd be Eileen. Uh, my favorite part is just uh, my favorite Eileen Warno's quote is Thanks a lot, Society, for railroading my ass. Thanks a lot, Society. Yeah. You sabotaged my ass, Society. 
and was used for books and movies and shit. Ladder climbs, the re-election, everything else. I got a big finger in all your faces, thanks a lot. You're inhuman, you're an inhumane bunch of fucking living bastards and bitches, and you're gonna get your asses nuked in the end. I love that quote so much. That'd be fun to get a sticker made of what, her face that just said, thanks like, a lot, society. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I am down with making these, like, small batch of one-off stickers. But we're going to go into a kind of a deep dive, um, more about the aftermath of something that occurred here, what we're talking about. Yeah, I wonder if you want to give a little bit of backstory, just, just like a super brief, because this documentary doesn't. That's true. And it, that's totally fine, but they it, sort of do assume that you know things I was just going to say, because I did go into this only knowing, like, the big headlines, and I, like, had facts wrong, because I didn't know a lot about this cult. I just accept the big, big... There is, there is a lot going on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you're right. I think because this documentary was very hard to find, for one. I had to dig deep, and fortunately, some Andreas Gorenson on YouTube, deep into YouTube, had posted these movies, and thankfully, they had English subtitles. This particular documentary is extremely hard to find. Like I just, I tried to just find it, see if I get a DVD with an English dub or trans or subtitles. Mm-hmm. And of course, this documentary is just called A. Mm-hmm. So when you're trying to look up something called A on the internet, it's Blitz just parentheses A close parentheses. Yeah, something like that. But I think technically it's just the letter A. Yeah. So you're like, I want to find something called A. <laughs> The internet's not very helpful. No. Especially if it's something from another country. But we're talking about, uh, basically, this movie is the aftermath of an occurrence that occurred uh, on in the Tokyo subways, in which sarin gas was released and 14 people died in a Tokyo subway. Very lucky that a lot more than that didn't, because chemical attacks can be very um, unpredictable, depending on, like... The weather, you know, depends on when when shit will blow around. But they released sarin gas, and it was uh, accomplished by a cult called Om Shinrikyo. Mm-hmm. And Om Shinrikyo is uh, a cult founded by this guy named Shoko Asahara, who was basically like this guy who's mostly blind. And they took, he basically took a lot of like Eastern religions. It's like an amalgamation of religions. Like cults do this all the time. Yeah. They ball up a bunch of religions, especially ones familiar to Eastern culture. There's something about Japanese culture that also kind of, even if they don't believe in the religion, but they almost respect the symbology. His followers mentioned Buddhism a few times when trying to sort of convey what they were trying to do. Not saying that that was all encompassing of it, but they did mention that. It does link into that particularly, and they're like vegetarian, similar to Buddhists. Yeah, they don't kill. Uh, yeah, or animals anyway. Well, But, but they're also right. a prophetic doomsday cult, which means that they believe that, you know, the world is trash and it will, and it will like, society will de- destroy everything and and their, and their whole structure is to be able to survive in a post-apocalyptic Japan and world or whatnot. Didn't they say, well, at some point in this documentary, a former follower references that the 21st century will come. So I think, didn't they think the world was going to end before 2000? Yeah. Isn't that part of it? Apparently that was just a big common thing. 
or society as we know it was going to come to an end. Yeah, like the, their own Y2K shit. Yeah. But the thing is about these doomsday cults, and speaking of Charles Manson, he preached this kind of thing to his followers, too, that the world would end. But he preached that it would be a race war. Yeah, that every it would kind of explode so from, it, like, violence. So if you're so confident that these things are going to go down, why would you do anything to speed up that process? That's always the thing. When you get people who are really, especially going back to the race war thing, where people believe that there's going to be a race war, and then they end up doing things to with this idea that it will fool people into thinking that another race did it to another race. That's exactly what the Charles Manson wanted, shit He was. wanted to control what he thought was going to happen. Like, he thought it was going to happen, but he wanted to control how it went down. They he wanted, wanted to control the narrative. They wanted to speed up the process. And I believe maybe have something to do with the ending. Like, he thought the race war was inevitable, so he wanted to try to control how it went down. You they, know what I'm saying? Like, not only speed up the process, but... The this Man- is going to happen regardless, so I'm going to stick my fingers in it. The Manson family thought that they would be, like, in leadership positions yeah. or, like, at the top of the post-racial apocalypse food chain. Right. Which is kind of a pretty funny to look back and think about it like that. Oh, you didn't mean funny. You meant bullshit. Bullshit, yeah. yeah. Funny, funny, what? <laughs> Not funny, ha, ha, ha. Funny, huh? <laughs> funny, okay, man. Yeah. But the Om Shinrikyo... They also believed that there was going to be an apocalypse. And so even though they are, they don't eat meat and shit like that, they, and there's so much to this cult that we won't even touch base on because this movie is all about the aftermath of the sarin gas attacks. I think, I think the only things that really are important to know about them going into this, and they talk about it throughout, is that they have just sort of left society behind, is the way they think about it, to yes. join this group. And these are very smart people. These are, like, scientists. These are people who are very intelligent, who've chosen to follow this path. And they talk to a couple people at the very beginning of this who kind of give this sentiment of, if this ended tomorrow, if I was no longer part of Om Shinrikyo, I would find something else yeah. to be part of. This just happened to be the thing that was presented to them at the time when they were ready to do something like this. And they definitely are not like this till the end or nothing. It's not like Om Shinrikyo or bust. It's like anti-societal group. Yes. And so that's what's so interesting about these people. And they've given up. Their thing is um, you resist sleep, you resist food, you resist lust. Yeah. And so you're not to partner, you're not to care about what you're eating. Like, you have to eat to sustain yourself, obviously, and you have to sleep at some point, but that's not the important part. Mm. Well, at this point, the Om Shinrikyo is, does still exist. Yeah. But they call themselves Aleph, A-L-E-P-H. So they've mm. just kind of rebranded over the years, but... Uh, according to uh, what I'm looking at here, as of 2011, their uh, membership is about 1,600 people. So, Okay. So what we're going to be talking about is kind of the things fall apart with Om Shinrikyo. But apparently they did rebuild. There is some was still some dedication to the amalgamation of Eastern philosophies and Buddhism mm-hmm. that uh, Shoko Asahara taught. And it's funny because, like you said, these are actually very intelligent people. That joined this cult. And maybe the Japanese mentality is different. The people we see in here all have this kind of like 
the people in the cult have this kind of casual humility. They're very cautious about how they communicate their feelings on things. To other people. Yes. But I think like a lot of people that are particularly intelligent would probably think that they would never fall for something like this. But the thing is, the person who thinks that they are flawless is the easiest person to manipulate because all you got to do is like kiss their ass. They actually, there's an interesting part where, and I'm not trying to jump around or anything too much, but there is at some point an actual interview that's happening and they're speaking to one of the followers and he's sort of trying to explain what he believes, but at one point he stops himself and he's like, no one will understand. Anything I say will be misconstrued. And there is sort of this, like, he doesn't care if they understand or not. He's just like, I'm not going to talk anymore because they won't understand. And it's almost like, I'm so smart that I get this, but other people are not going to get this. Mm -hmm. And so there is a little bit of this, like, exclusivity almost, you know, as in, like, I'm in it, I get it, sorry, you don't understand, so... You can really see that You're kind of... You're not on our level. You can really see that manipulation striving in American society, too. Yeah. Where uh, there's almost like this uh, absolute apologistic stance. You can manipulate in the, in the stance of uh, exceptionalism, which exists in all levels and forms of of multiple politics, whether you're liberal or conservative. There's just, like, different avenues of this exceptionalism that we have yeah yeah it's that it's that thing and they do it in this too where you sort of like pity the people who don't understand the thing that you understand and so they're very also quick to like laugh with each other and things but in in thinking back on the film i don't think this was obvious while i was watching it but as you've been speaking it has become obvious like they're sort of like laughing at these journalists like laughing at these people in this way of like they just don't they just don't understand yeah and so it's like it's it's laughable but at the same time literally they're losing everything things are disappearing that's the thing that's crazy about faith right like because you believe in this thing. Baby. Even... <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 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 uh. Fred Durst. Uh, that, that's a, <laughs> oh, Fred Durst did Fred the best Durst. Dur- best version no. of that. You're my, so terrible. My boy Fred Durst. You know I'm a Limp Biscuit apologist, okay? That's terrible. Sorry. Wham. Wham forever. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, uh, that was. I think it was. that's his solo career when he was... When Faith came out. I know, George Michael. I had to correct you on something you were being an apologist for. No, I was just saying you were wrong. I wasn't being an apologist. But you were quasi-wrong. Okay. Because he had moved on from Wham! at that point. Well, Wham's good too. What I was trying to say, I don't remember. Is there a group called uh, BAM? Not that I'm aware of. And then a thank you, ma'am. Is there a thank you, ma'am? Ba- Hold on. <laughs> they did a lineup together. Hold on, yeah. Like, wham opened for bam, and the headliner was thank you, ma'am. Yeah, I'm looking up bam band. I bet there's not. There's got to be a band called You're bam. you get, like, Alabama Shakes or something. Bam Bam. Is that a band? Bam Bam. It's a Seattle band called Bam Bam. Not a singular bam I'm seeing. So, wham, bam, bam. Let's see if there's a thank you, ma'am. Band. I'm sure there's not a thank you, ma'am. You, band. ma'am, band. This may be an unpopular opinion. I love the sound of keyboard strokes. When what? I'm on, because there's so many like virtual calls for work and stuff now, still, even though we're start back in the office, 
uh, I love the sound of someone typing on a keyboard. Like when I hear that. If it's real. Not when like telephone bullshit automated things do that like, oh, I'm thinking. Like click, 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 click. Bullshit that. But if I'm just like talking to you on the phone and I can hear you typing, it's very like, it's like an ASMR thing for me. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. There is uh, that Small Faces song, Wham Bam, Thank You, Ma'am. Yeah. Yeah, baby. All right, we got to get into this movie. A. We're talking about the movie A, directed by Tatsuya Mori. came out in 1998. The attacks happened in 1995. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stuff that is filmed is occurring in 96 and 97. Mostly 96, yes. And like I said, this movie is incredibly hard to find. So look into our show notes for this episode for a link. Yeah. And maybe I'll throw it up on the Documenteers YouTube with a passcode, too, in case. Because they could get taken down. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, it would be really good. There's also an A2, which we'll also yeah, link next, to. So, yes, this is going to be two-part Aftermath yeah. Om Shinrikyo. So you hear it's A this week and A2 next week. And you know what's around the corner is Herzog Month. I know. You know what's around the corner from Herzog Month. Halloween. Creeptober. And we're going to be talking about some fucked up shit in Creeptober. Mm-hmm. So you'll probably have to do that because I don't want to weird out the other guests by bringing up like really <laughs> crazy shit. Because Akil has been going through some shit. So he says he wants some stuff that's funny. Um, Ginger does not want anything too fucked up. I'm, uh, Greg is, you know, more of a rock docking kind of guy. Bring it on. Bring on the fucked up shit. I've got something. It was actually, it's actually a request I got in my Instagram DMs. And I knew about this. It's on YouTube. So it's not like... I'm not watching a snuff film. It's on YouTube. I'm just kidding. I mean, not to That's say that... That's the only like worst thing I can think of. Boy, this is going to be fucking wild. I can't wait. Oh, no. I'm scared. Because I actually... What I'm, what I'm talking about, I actually watched like 15 minutes of it and got like just creeped out. Seriously? And it was just like... Ugh. Like oh, it made, no. makes your skin crawl kind of thing. Oh, no. So, yeah, it's going to be... Uh, and it, But it's on YouTube. That means there's no nudity and no, like, extreme violence. Okay. But But still, the subject matter is there. So... Okay. All right. A by Tatsuya Mori. That's what we're talking about now. We hear a tape playing of Shoko Asahara. And we see big equipment destroying the facility and arrests are being made. This mm-hmm. is when... This is footage of the police converging onto the enclave in which Amshinrikyo is. We see that footage kind of loop back every once in a while as well. Also, this whole thing is very simple. Uh, Tatsuya Mori, he's just holding a camera, and you hear his voice when he's asking questions. This is all in Japanese, so it's going to be pointless. I mean, if you speak Japanese, then good for you, but there probably won't be that much clipping here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um but, yes, yeah, so on March 1996, uh, there is the destruction of that facility going on. The, we got a reporter from Masahi TV is there to interview some people who are still representing Om Shinrikyo. And we meet a couple of, uh, a man and a woman, and they're, dis- they dis- they're in Om Shinrikyo, and they're discussing their desire to work in space technology, which is kind of like a signal to show where these people are in terms of 
what they want to study and what they are. I mean, like we said, there a lot of Om Shinrikyo. There were a lot of scientists and shit in Om Shinrikyo. Yeah. And you know, apparently he did that fake levitation trick where you kind of stand on your toes from far away and it looks like you're levitating a little oh, bit no. off the ground. If you can believe it, that's... And they've got a manga out there or a manga mm-hmm. or a anime. And I think the first part is translated online. But, of course... So the thing is that Shokasa Hara could levitate. So, of course, in the anime, he's just, like, flying around and shit, right? So... Huh. But the song on that is like the shit. Is it supposed to be anime? I guess so. I've never pronounced it. Anime, anime, I don't know. Anime, anime. Manga, manga. Let's call the whole thing off. Okay. (laughs) But lots of calls are coming into this facility. There's pictures of Asahara. Yeah, and this is, you know, this is where we meet sort of the person that we focus on in this, which is Araki. Mm-hmm. He is the PR person for Om Shinrikyo, and he's so interesting to me. He's very young. He's only been doing this job for like two years, which means that he had only been doing this job for about a year before all this shit went down, and it was on his shoulders to be the spokesman for this group. Yeah. And, you know, describing this guy, he's a very mousy-looking dude, uh, bespectacled, kind of looks like, you know, like uh, the Japanese kind of look very young, and he may not even be that old, but he's just kind of like, he just seems like a you're an everyday pleasant guy in Japanese society. Yeah, he seems like he would just be a sweet, a sweet dude. Not, not a threatening-looking guy Mm-mm. whatsoever. Uh, and, they're, and they're cooking up meat substitutes. And they ask, like, if the, ma- and the director asks, if the master gives you meat, is, is it okay? And they basically say, I guess so. Because if anything from the master is okay. Yeah. But you shouldn't eat meat, but if the master gives you a steak, then you will eat that steak and be grateful for that steak. Yeah, and the mas- they basically make an, any excuse for the master contradicting any... Uh, Anything that they make them do, of yeah. course. He breaks the lust one. That's always the thing that the cult leaders... It's, isn't it always like, don't fuck, and then it's like, okay, fuck me. Yeah, it's like, nobody fucks but me. But And I guess the whole thing with that is he needed to create an heir. Mm, yeah, that's that true. That's sort of part of it. We find out later that he's got a couple older daughters and finally did have some very young sons. This member cannot imagine anyone better than the master, Shoko Asahara. Keep in mind, uh, Shoko Asahara is in custody, and he's uh, and they're we're gearing up to some trials, some uh, testimonies. Yeah, this is actually before, I think this is even before the actual indictment. What they're saying throughout this is that they don't really know what has happened either. Yeah. Like, people are wanting to talk to them, wanting to ask them what happened, and like, we don't know. Now, we know this from, from other cult stuff, is that, just because you're in the cult, it doesn't mean you know everything the cult is doing or are no. part of all of those decisions. And that's, I think, one of the dumbest things that people do when they approach people from cults or when they make assumptions about cults is that just because you are a cult member means that you somehow had an audience with the leader and you somehow were in on the plans. I think someone like Iraqi 
was specifically left out of the plans so that he couldn't speak to them later. Didn't he say he maybe only was even in the room with Shoko like once or twice? That was before he got his position, but then once he did have his position within the organization, he did meet with him on a semi-regular basis, I think is how he the translation put it. Uh, so he did meet with him more frequently, but it's not like he was by his side. So we got a reporter trying to convince Iraqi to, not Iraqi, Iraqi. Iraqi. To let them use footage of them. Because I guess they have to have the final approval if you bring the footage out onto your networks or whatever. I thought that was so interesting that you can't just film on the street. Like, here they would just film you and who gives a shit? Like, no one's going to ask your permission. Yeah, all you need is to be able to get, like, a license to be able to film and... I think you do have to have people's permission individually, but you can run it and maybe like block their face out or something. At one point, she kind of points to our to the hour, whatever the documentary uh, filmmaker, and is like, "Well, how, why can he record?" And he's like, "He's not you." Yeah, he's a documentary. Like it's basically like he's not a journalist, like not in that way. Like he's not with the news. I would love to know the conversation that um, Tatsuya Mori had. I mean, we we later. We were later told why he's there, because essentially they want their stories told by someone outside of the organization. Well, they understand that if they put it, if they film themselves and they edit themselves and they put something out that's like their by their hand, that no one's going to believe it. They're going to think that it's propaganda. So you have to have a third party non biased person to document, and that's what's the coolest. We'll talk about this later, I'm sure, when we get into the judging, but judging whatever the rating the coolest thing to me about this is there really is no narrative no there's no anything it's just this is what was happening on every on these particular days when filming was happening particularly one of the more straightforward documentaries we've ever watched here yeah uh the reporter maybe this is something that was lost in translation but the reporter asked told iraqi like well if we get this on film then we won't use it yeah, yeah, it was like she was saying, if we're filming right now, I don't think we're filming right now. But if we're filming right now, can we use the film that we might not be filming right now? <laughs> yeah, this negotiation. When we, yeah. And a big chunk of this movie is reporters negotiating screen time with so members, with the Iraqi and members of the, the uh, cult. But did you see the, I think it was a cameraman or somebody with the news crew, but he was wearing a shirt that said... With the words going top down, it said, Brother, mother, hair, Lolita, legs, fat. <laughs> you know how, like, uh, when we look up... Uh, oh, some t-shirts in the, foreign countries. Yeah, are, when they take uh, English words. And don't understand what those words mean when put together in that order. Their version of it is watching us walk around in kanji that we don't understand what it says. Sure, sure. Or getting it tattooed getting on our tattooed, bodies. Right. I don't, we don't have those tattoos. I do have a shirt with kanji on it, but I think I haven't narrowed down what it probably says. But I'm not entirely 100% <laughs> sure, if I'm being honest. I think it says Atsushi Onita or Deathmatch. I think it says one of those things. <laughs> okay. So Akari, he's talking about himself. He describes himself as a country bumpkin. Kind of a little bit of self-deprecation here. Kind of pushing a level of that humility. That's kind of a, a, 
I think that's kind of common. There's kind of like a, a, a politeness. You know, the Japanese culture is a bit more of a polite society. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in general. And you can interpret that as being sincere or just a compulsion. It's like in the South where, where we're just compulsively polite, but that doesn't mean we like you. Right. It's interesting to me, too, because he talks about joining this group and he talks about how his parents found out. They kind of come back to this interview a few times through the documentary of him talking kind of about what happened to him. But he talks about how he just didn't feel like he fit, fit in regular society. Yeah. And he says at one point that his family wanted him to fit in, but he just couldn't do it. And so he was glad for his parents that he had a brother and sister mm-hmm. who could do that for them. And I thought that was such an interesting way to think about it because he basically was like, hey, I don't fit, but it doesn't matter. They have others. Yeah, yeah. But they don't think about it that way because they're your parents. But there is implication throughout this movie that he is in occasional communication with his family. Later, I think that there's someone who helps kind of facilitate that. I feel like Iraqi is a different person uh, by the end of this than yeah. what we see at the beginning. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, there, So the director's walking around the facility, and they're, they're saying shit like... There's one part where they're like at a keyboard or where they're saying that the master can, on the good days, the master can sing the full range of a keyboard. Yeah. Pure cult shit in which it's like he can do no wrong. You know, he hit eight holes in one, all that bullshit. The camera can't go into a specific space where people are dressed up. And it's claimed that the people in this specific area have been ordained because they can read minds and hearts. Mm-hmm. Allegedly, they can read. Yeah, we don't minds. ever see those people. But we do see a bunch of them kind of praying. And I thought this was so interesting because there wasn't a consistency right. in what they were doing or the way they were praying. There were some people like kneeling, some people were almost posing. One gentleman was potentially caning himself on his own legs. Like, it looked, that's what it looked like to me. He might not have been actually hurting himself, but he was like hitting his legs over and over again as he was praying. The, so the way some of them were playing was, praying was kind of like Islam. There was some chanting, for sure, throughout this humming. And I think it's and I think in some sects of Islam, there's even that self-flagellation, yeah. where you're hitting yourself. Um, Iraqi tells us at one point, I think it was him that was speaking. It might have been one of the other gentlemen, but saying that they used to bind their feet while praying. I think it was someone else, but he used to bind his feet while praying, and it was sort of a like almost a self-punishment. Mm-hmm. But I can't remember why he needed to do it. it but it was it was just that he, he would get in a position and then belt himself so he couldn't move. They lament that the poison gas attacks are coming back to haunt them. Mm-hmm. That's putting it mildly. Uh, they watch a report and they're commenting on how it's all altered. And like I said, there's like shirts and shit with Shoko Sahara all over it. Like, let, let me just give me some merch, you know. Hook me up with some of this. <laughs> A merch. I'm also, sure it's easy to find. Also, if anyone can find a full series, the full uh, anime series of uh, the of the anime Om Shinrikyo put out that's translated with English subtitles, 
please, if you're able, share it. Put it on YouTube. Hit me up if anyone can find that. They're, they're also very isolated because they reject society. And they talk about how the master's brainwaves counteract media indoctrination. But how does that flow now that the master is in custody? Is he still with him in some way? Well, you know, they posit that all of this is just sort of a trial for the followers. That they have to keep believing. That this was... He's almost testing them throughout this process. That it's how they react to him being gone, what they do in his absence, is all to show whether or not that they have been trained properly and are continuing with their training correctly. They tell of a story about how the master was at this area, like a pond or something, and all these birds and fish gathered yeah. before him. They claim that 400 people were there to witness it. And uh, the master said to follow the path of Bodhisattva, no matter how difficult. They also talk about, you know, like, well, what do you do now that he's gone? Like, your leader's gone. And, and they basically remind them, well, we have our master, but even if the master's not here, the doctrines that he interpreted for us are still here, and the Buddhist texts are still here. You know, like, it, even though the man is gone, they still have, like, the tenets of the religion. In April... It's April of 96, and the Asahara opening hearings are occurring. And a man confronts, walks up to Akari and brings a fax. Uh, and this fax is regarding something they had to do to get permission to come in. But Akari is kind of like given the runaround, but he's being surrounded by various networks of news. TV Asahi uh, runs New Japan Pro Wrestling in Japan. I'm a big fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh, yeah. So, we were watching New Japan Pro Wrestling earlier this evening. <laughs> that's right, yeah. that's We happen to have been doing so. He seems to be a little more open to one reporter. And this, and they're all, like, pitching to sell. It's like lawyering to be able to get their coverage. Yeah. And, and the some of the other news crew that are around are like, they want a group agreement here. Talk about how it's not fair. You should have an agreement that we can all abide by. He's at, he's being like, stop this petty feuding. But he doesn't come on too strong. In a way, it seems like he's just constantly trying to figure out a way to keep him at arm's length. Yeah. But he seems, at the same time, so sheepish and awkward about the thing. My favorite thing that he said multiple times was, you have this fax, which, P.S., they love faxes. Yes. Like, when anyone wants to ask a question or call, he's like, no, you have to fax your, you have to fax it. Like, he didn't want to talk to anybody, and I love that. Just And then you just let the faxes build up. But he's like, yes, you have this fax, and this is one permission from the bankruptcy lawyer, because all of their uh, offices and, and houses that they have are slowly being torn down. And so they're kind of moving from one place to another. But, yeah, you have this permission from the bankruptcy, but you also have to have permission from the people inside. And they're like, okay, well, who gives us that permission? He's like, I do. <laughs> and they're like, well, then can we come in? And he's like, you have to get permission from the people inside. <laughs> and he just kept, and it was like, but you're the one. And he's like, 
you can't do it without permission. Like, he just refuses to answer, and he's so steadfast in his replies. He just doesn't waver. So a reporter does get in, sitting around and talking to this one dude, and the guy seems uh, very kind of shy. And the reporter, the guy basically says, ultimately, you know, my belief in the master is unchanged. Mm-hmm. And uh, Akari can see how he's uncomfortable, and he very kind of politely is like, I think we need to stop. Mm-hmm. And but the but the reporters are very good at kind of like being able to carry the conversation yeah. on a little bit. But the man interviewed feels very self conscious. He's afraid of looking stupid, and because of that fear, uh, Akari wants to stop the interview. He's also the one though that I was referencing who he says he's afraid of looking stupid, and I don't understand. Maybe the translations threw me off, even in what I was saying before, but. He's also the one that says, I don't want to keep talking because they're not going to understand what I'm trying to say. Yes. They're going to misunderstand me. We speak to a man named Conta. Conta. And he was talking about how he was in the order before, but his carnal desires wore out. And he hooked up with a lady and he wanted to marry her. But ultimately he stopped it due to the guilt of the group because he wanted to. Well, I say guilt of the group, but he said he wanted to, um, you know just wanted to be better on the path of home part of what he said too was that maybe getting married would be nice but eventually even if you have a happy marriage it's going to end in death yeah and so why not just fast forward to the part about i'm just okay with dying like it was like and maybe that's the teachings of the group those emotions like that happiness is like fleeting and the only thing that matters is that we're all going to die Wow, and, man. and when he told her that that was what he was going to do, that he was going to go back, she actually converted. Like maybe a slightly above average intelligence nihilistic teenager. Mm-hmm. We're all going to die. Uh, we see a shot of Mount Fuji. Beautiful. Yes. In a couple of years, we're going to try to get to Japan, do a pro wrestling tour. So yep. we're going to see some Mount Fuji. Look at that herb, uh, urban sprawl. But one of my favorite scenes in here is there is a shot of several members including Iraqi, sitting in front of pictures of Asahara, and they're eating, and boomboxes are there. Mm-hmm. And they appear to be playing just, like, noise. I can't explain it. Like, I was wondering if it was like, like I said, this movie is very straightforward. So I don't think there was any, with the exception of some music that plays later. It's like. That's very obvious. It's like we're playing a song for you right now. But there's just like, I wouldn't describe it as white noise. Like, I'll I'll clip this, but it's just like very, very strange. It was like like trancey. Yeah, it's supposed to help with the meditation. But they're eating in front of pics of the master while this noise comes out of a boombox. And they said that they've been training even harder since the master has been gone. The man said that, like, this is the the anti-society stuff. They said that the man has no faith in Japanese society. You know, the criticisms of society, the trappings of society, the, the, the desire to see difference and not getting that in your society. Mm-hmm. I can relate to that. Like, I feel that in our own society here. But I guess, you know, I, of course, stopped short of, like, falling at the feet of someone who can guide us out through some potential apocalypse. I don't even know what an apocalypse would look like. I don't know if anything like that 
I think it'd just be a slow death, like, or a slow apocalypse, you know, like yeah. with the way the environment is and stuff like that. Plastic manufacturing is just ending up in the ocean. We can't, and all these single use plastics and, and they're, and all these corporations are spending money to tell people to recycle things that they're not even recycling. Mm-hmm. And, but everyone is blaming everyone, but the, like the companies that actually are manufacturing all this trash, but the blame in our society never goes there. So that's just one example of how it just seems kind of like where you you're just upset at our society and the way it wants to profit off of itself and the way it uses itself mm-hmm. and you know depending on you know what political sycophancy you fall under it depends on is just gauges where your political will or you know or yeah. your activism lies i mean the truth is people are a lot more active when what they perceive as their opposition reaches some level of perceived power yeah and everyone's just kind of lazy when it's you know the thing that they project upon is uh in that position so that's so i feel like you just explained why cults are apocalyptic is because if you don't have like a particular direct enemy to say we have to fight against it's we have to do all these things before the end yeah you know and then it becomes just a bigger like destruction is what you're against there's a sense of what i'm saying is that i kind of understand yeah but i I think in things like om shinrikyo and other cults in our society they just kind of reject it all Mm -hmm. and just focus on themselves but i would argue that especially in the realms of politics and the way we we react to individuals emotionally politics in our country have almost become like a cult in and of itself and the way people project onto it it's like it does feel like it's going through like one, like it's almost like everyone is projecting some kind of parental issues on these like strange political figures in mm-hmm. our lives, you know, but, but yeah, in that sense, it's, it makes sense to have that dissatisfaction, but shit like that, that just makes it easier to be able to rope people into some kind of organizations here. I mean, there's yeah. a tons of active cults going on in America right yeah, now. It's true. And there's plenty in Japan too, with the way that they, Uh, look at symbolism in their society like it just kind of makes sense with the way society is and the way society reacts to things that these things would exist in the world and you just gotta hope that you know they're not too murderous like like om shinrikyo was a nice aside they're watching the (laughs) i love this part they're looking at newspapers on the hearings they're watching a news report and they say very matter-of-factly that we've got a bad reputation yeah and it's a and Conta says it's a test for disciples and training this whole thing. Yeah. And I gotta say, when we're sitting here with these folks that we meet, Iraqi and the other people, I like them. I do too. When we meet, when we talk to these people, they seem kind of very demure, very polite. Mm-hmm. You don't really, but at the same time, we have to sit there and be like, like I don't believe that they were involved in the sarin gas attacks. It wouldn't be smart for a, for a cult to tell all of its thousands of members what's going to be going on right. if they're going to be attacking a tokyo subway it's hard to get away with shit like that the more people you tell it so absolutely obviously he had a very small smart crew who was developing these chemicals but they are making excuses for a man who did orchestrate the murder of 14 people Tu 
みんなの心に持っている遥かな虫の過去から They do, they, they keep saying, We don't know what happened either. No one has told us what happened. We're curious to see what happens in the case. You know, like that has, or they've said something to that effect by this point. Like they want to know because they don't know what their leader's going to say in response to these charges either. So,、uh, Iraqi's talking about his parents. And his par- he talks about how his parents were asking him why he was reading. An Om Shinrikyo book. I guess this is how he was yeah, indoctrinated. Discovered. And he says that he ultimately left to join, and that when he got into the book, he says, you know, I'm just not the kind of guy to do anything halfway. So I'm going to go all in or not. It was like he'd not made that decision yet, but when he was reading the book and his mom was like, Are you part of this group? He said, Yes, I am. Yes. And that's kind of what solidified it for him was once he was asked the question, he's like, Well, I'm reading the book, so absolutely. It's an interesting way. And that is kind of like the way、um, when you're young and you're absorbing other philosophies, like especially when you, know, you get, out of the, get out of the trappings of the things that you grew up with. Like you、mm-hmm. reject, say, you grew up with Christianity, you reject that. But like it doesn't necessarily, you're not necessarily free of the desire. To find something or to incorporate something in there. That's something that young people go through when they go through this process, right? You know, but, but you know, I think for me, it was just like, I think I fell into that too, looking for philosophical things.、Yeah. Like, I was really into, I really was researching Taoism and shit when I was very young. At the end of the day, it's like, if I st- stop searching, you know, that was just my thing. Like, I just don't have to look. I can be curious, I can seek to understand. But I don't need to be claiming everything that I grab, put my hands on. You know, it's also a very young idea about a relationship. Yeah. It's that your first love is you're going to be your only love forever. And that's also why I think cults are so interesting because, especially if they try to get you young before you have had any experience, Iraqi is a virgin. They ask him at one point if he's ever held a hand with a girl, and he says, I believe he says no to holding hands. And then. When they ask him if he's kissed, he basically says, No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. And then they sort of ask about. You gotten it having, in, bro? Yeah, like making love to a woman or however they put it in the translation. And he just sort of just is like, That's a, that's a ridiculous question. And because you get in there and you become everything to your followers, you become like their mother and their father and their lover and their f- teacher and their preacher, you know, like everything. Mm. And so it's also that, like, you are my first love, you are my only love, and I will never love anyone except for you. I would die for you. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of feeling that you have when you're like 17. Absolutely. The first time you have those feelings. You can see Iraqi, maybe if a relationship is bad, trying to save it by proposing, that kind of thing, you know? <laughs> like, I'll save this marriage by just proposing to you. If he was in that, or in that scenario, I'll save this yeah, relationship. Yeah, because you're sort of, well, because a lot of times I feel like someone who feels that way in that situation, like that's their Hail Mary. Like, they're、yeah. like, you're going to leave me? No, don't leave me.、Uh, we can have a baby. We can get <laughs> pregnant. What do you need? I'll quit my job. Like, that's happened. Yeah, yeah. Some people never grow out of that kind of、yeah. mentality. It's interesting. Now we go to a very strange part of the movie where there's a little press conference. Yeah. This is fascinating. Uh, who are Akitiru Rinpoche and Ryoko Rinpoche? Aren't they? They're, they're Shoko Asahara's kids, are they not? 
so sitting at the table is a Rocky, there is a young woman, and then there's an older woman. Mm-hmm. I was not positive who the older woman was, but the middle, the girl in the middle who speaks the most is his daughter. Right. And the names I just read are his sons. We don't see them. We don't see them. So basically, this is a press conference where his daughter, who I'm assuming is his oldest daughter, he has more than one, we're told, um, I believe, but she's basically there saying... With the absence of her father, the boys are now the leaders. Yes. And these are like three and four-year-old boys. Yeah. We never, we only see photos of them because they do start putting them in photos to idolize them as they have their father previous. And this is all announced by uh, Asahara's eldest daughter, who's very stone-faced. Very, very matter-of-fact. And she's ready to fight, it seems like. She seems a little annoyed. She's She keeps her composure. Yeah. But, like, of course, the reporters are asking things like, well, why aren't you why aren't the you leader of this? Why aren't you doing this? Yeah. And Iraqi's trying to kind of, like, soften it. And I swear, is it was she talking to Iraqi when she says we don't disclose information on the microphone? Because I think Iraqi was trying to explain something, and then she cuts him off. And I think she tells him in front of the reporters not to disclose personal information about Alm. Maybe that's right. On yeah. the micro, She like scolded him in front of the reporters. They did have like a little bit of a fight. I mean, in that case, like she outranks him. So yeah, that's fine. But he, he did seem to be there to help her communicate this thing. But then she, it's like he was, like you said, he was trying to like soften it and trying to make everyone understand because he has had to more than any of the rest of them walk a line in the middle. Mm. He's the one standing between the rest of the world and this group. And so he knows kind of how he needs to say things and she's like, "No, no, no. It's basically like you are giving them too many details. Yeah, yeah. You need to stop giving them details. We are just here to tell them the transfer of power is happening." And they were like, "Well, this is one of the things that I think made her mad was when one of the reporters said, "Well, if your father's no longer in charge and these boys are now in charge, like, does that not mean that your father is not no longer, like, worthy to be a leader or something to that effect? Yeah. And she was just like, it was basically the line was, the religion is the religion is the religion. Yeah. And, and also pushing this, like, are, is, are things going to be different, especially in light of the fact that your father is in custody? And they're basically like, things won't change, but mm-hmm. some things will change, but things won't change. It's very much a contradictory statement. Yeah. But also trying at this in, in the sense to preserve the to preserve the line here, of course, to justify making these kids um, the leader mm-hmm. that some things can't change. There has to be some measure of the teachings that are the same. But of course, I guess the some things will change will be maybe like we're not going to release gas into the exactly. Tokyo subways anymore. Well, because they make reference to if nothing's changed, like. I think that's what he begins to speak about, which she, when she cuts him off, if I'm remembering correctly, is they start to say, well, are you changing your doctrines? Because our understanding is that your doctrines taught you that it's okay to kill for, like, to these per- righteous reasons. To like, perpetuate whatever. an apocalypse, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's when he started to say, like, well, you know, some things will change and some things, and that's when she was like, stop it, stop it, stop it, if I remember correctly. Uh but yeah, there was so much tension. It's so so interesting. And you know, one thing we should point out as well is that when the sarin gas was released, yeah, it killed fourteen people, but it was released in a subway where, you know, an enclosed area. And of course, in Japanese subways and trains, you know, the commute culture is very 
huge. These things can fill up. And literally, like, swallow, 14 people died, and lucky that only even that many died. It could have been hundreds. Several, dozens, perhaps even well over 100 people actually got, like, extremely ill. Yeah. And many people had to be hospitalized that weren't just outright killed. It was just kind of like the idea that in this particular style of attack that tragically 14 people were gone, but the fact that only that many people died it was an extremely, just like a dumb luck scenario. Yeah. Because this thing was designed to kill hundreds of people, straight up. So we go back and we we we're seeing uh, members watch footage of the of R the Rinpoche sons, and they're trying to feel their energy. But he yeah. reveals that like apparently most people have not met most of the people in Ohm have not met these kids at all. No. So they lament their demonization. They're like they're kind of joking about this. Yeah. Too. It, they're like they would believe that we would put Saren in the wells if we told them. <laughs> There's kind of a reason why they yeah, would believe that. Yeah. No one was accusing you of poisoning anything. Until you poisoned someone. Yes. People. Until yes. you poisoned a bunch of people. There's a song uh, that plays at this point. Ooh. And I love it because it th throws the lyrics up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I think I was annoying you last night when I was singing along. <laughs> yes, with the song of the were. at least at the one at the end but it's okay but there was a line that says dad will understand your love one day yeah so there you go right but these cops and detectives some some are in uniforms but most are like plain clothes detectives threatening iraqi and another member that's with him on the street there's actually like three of them i think and these men are these detectives are getting up in um in their faces and they want names. They want all this information. Police are surrounding them. They're basically like, what are you doing here? And they're like, nothing. We're just walking down the street. And they're like, oh, but you're part of the cult. So what are you doing right now? And, like I, it was, and there's obviously nothing on the surface here that, well, that is making them arrest them. Or otherwise, they would just arrest them. I was very confused by this because they didn't look like policemen. You had to tell me they were policemen. Yeah. Because, again, there's no narrative to this. So there's no uh, explaining of what's happening, which again is great, but I didn't know that a policeman could just look like any other person on the street and just walk up to you and oh, start yeah. questioning you like this. That well, was crazy to me. It, perhaps they're not supposed to, but the thing I guess the thing is, and especially in regards to what is essentially the aftermath of a terrorist attack. They could have been following them. There's just not going to be a lot of pushback from society yeah. for them doing this. Yeah. So, like, as you can understand, swaths of Japanese society are very upset mm -hmm. at these people right now. And this isn't a society where in which violent crime is that common, you know? So, a fucking cult gas attack is fucking huge. Like, Absolutely. I mean, this is international news. But an on member gets tumbled to the ground, like a cop gets up on him, and they both tumble back. And you can tell that this cop probably watches a lot of soccer, so because he puts on this uh, the most perfect like act like I'm hurt, kind of like yeah, it's like his knees hurt. It, it, it's like such a <laughs> he's just pretending like he's way more damaged than he really is, and the on member just stays on the ground, like stays flopped on the ground, mm -hmm. and. Um, 
Well, at that point, if he tried to get up, they probably would have said that was aggressive. Like, he was just trying to get through it at that moment. Oh, the guy who, the arm member that got... That was on the ground. Well, his name is Yamamoto. Yamamoto. And um, so now people are being... Now Yamamoto gets arrested because even though the director's there with a camera filming this whole thing, all the surrounding cops are like, oh, he tripped him. He tripped that police officer. And Araki's telling the cop, yo, stop acting. Stop acting like you're hurt. He very obviously wasn't hurt. Yeah. And the, but the guy, but Yamamoto will not give his name. And uh, and then it's bookended. The scene is bookended with the song. <laughs> So Yamamoto goes into custody, and then there's ladies on the street telling Araki, it's like, you need to go and just be businessmen. Yeah. You need just to go leave out. leave this all behind. Yeah, leave this all behind. You don't need this. Go be men that matter. Businessmen, whatever that means. Yeah, right? get a wife. Get a job. Yeah. Get a life. Just be regular. So Araki, he understands that what happened to Yamamoto was bullshit. And objectively, it was. He was just kind of bullied into a corner. Yep. And it's very obvious. And Iraqi wants the tape, but the director is oh like, my gosh. look, he's like, look, I can't just give you the tape. I got to be like neutral about this. I loved this so much. Like, I have so much respect for this filmmaker. The fact that he literally said, and, and this is the only time we see them on camera, is when they're talking about this yes. situation. Because at this point, they have become part of this chunk of the story where they're actually saying on camera, we have to remain neutral. We cannot give you this footage to do whatever you're going to do with it. But eventually the question comes up, well, could would you give it directly to a lawyer? Yeah. And the filmmaker, like, thinks about it. Like, he has he to does. think about it for a while. Like, he really wants, because to him, it's 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 his artistic integrity. But at the end of the day, he finally says, like, I know that what happened to this man is wrong. And I have in my possession the proof that it's wrong. And so I cannot sit aside. He's like, and I've been thinking about it, and I'm still thinking about it, but I'm going to do it. Like, it's basically like he's like, I still don't feel completely comfortable giving this over, but I have to. The only way, the point in which Yamamoto would have been, you know, proven innocent is when the documentary would have finally come out. Well, yeah. That would have been whenever that would be, in 98. They make Two this, years after this occurs. Yeah, they make a they make a comment later that without the help of this video, which we do actually see the filmmaker handing a tape directly to the lawyer. Like, they film the interchange so there can be no confusion about what happened, I think. I think they're covering their own asses here, and I love it. Mm -hmm. um, they actually say that without this proof, once you're charged... This was, like, before he'd been officially charged or something. Because once you are, it's, like, a 99.8% conviction. Rate. Yes. Like, the chances of you, if you go in front of a judge, being let go is not... It's just not going to happen. Right. So they were, like, right in under the wire. Well, the uh, Yamamoto or the Alm lawyer, they're, like, sat outside. He's like, okay, I got the tape. I'll be right back. Mm -hmm. They go into the building... They literally walk out with Yamamoto. Yeah. What would appear to be a very short span of time. 
because when you watch the tape, it's very obvious that it was it did not go down the way the cops put it down. So the charges got dropped. During this like two or three day period, they also like have one of another one of their houses torn down. So they're again like moving mm-hmm. all around. Yeah, their assets are being seized, their properties are being seized. Also, these places where they live are awful. Yeah. It's dirty. There's bugs. They don't kill bugs. I yeah. don't know when this happens in they the They trap them and release but them. But they trap them and release them. Like, at one point, they have so little food, but it's like they have a little piece of food in a cup so that all the roaches will go into the cup so that they can take the cup outside and release the roaches across the street. You have to also think that any members that haven't bailed or having to consolidate to specific buildings as other facilities are getting torn down. So mm-hmm. people are constantly moving around. There's probably things There's are being crowded in different areas. Yeah. And they're bringing as much of what they can with them, I'm sure. So there's just boxes on top of boxes. And there's one point where the, the director, uh, his name is Tatsuya Mori. We don't say his name enough. Uh, he's walking around a warehouse where there's pipes. It looks like the type of place where some kind of laboratory stuff has gone down. There's packs of needles, mysterious liquids that have not really been identified. They go into this one small room and there's like a ventilation system at the top and one of them actually says, I think this was the culture room. Yeah. This was the temple. Because this was like, they actually did, this is one of the few times they threw up like a tag of like what's happening right now. Well, they do tell you places. So at this point, they actually threw up a tag that says this is the night before the the temple is destroyed. I don't know how they worded it, but this is the night before the temple is turned over to the bankruptcy people. And so this is the last time for them to go in there. On August 30th, the official HQ is being seized by officials. Yep. And Iraqi is there and a man shows up and he knows Iraqi's family and he's scolding him for like not calling his parents. Like, just let them know you're still alive, you know, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and a way, there might be some shame here, but it doesn't appear like his family wants to reject him. Mm-hmm. And of course, Iraqi has a grandmother who's very old. Like there's some things going on, and but this guy who I guess is just a friend of the family, he just knew him, yeah, and he knew Iraqi would be here, so he came up and was like, "Yo, call your mother, right?" He literally, and he he asked that they all call their parents, but he very specifically was like, "I know your mother, and you need to call her." He goes, "It will take you one minute to say you're okay." This was one of the points where when the people wanted him to apologize, Iraqi says, "I want answers too." Instead uh, of apologizing, he know he doesn't apologize. At least apologize for the trouble. The people would say, "Apologize for the trouble of killing fourteen people in a chemical attack." Just apologize for the trouble you've caused people. There could be like little ways in which they are unfairly kind of like pushed into a corner. But again, this is a group that is responsible for the murder of 14 people in a horrific way. They just don't have like a lot of sympathy out in uh, Japanese society. Araki explains why the director's there. He says he wants an outsider to record them so that people will understand. We mentioned this before. Yeah. If it came from within the organization, it wouldn't. And in a way, I guess uh, we'll discuss how we understand them yeah. at the end of this. 
they do reiterate that they don't kill insects. Destruction of life is forbidden. And then, but they say that the details of that are very difficult to explain. Of course, because the obvious contradiction is the fact that they killed people. I don't know if this is skipping ahead, but, you know, they're just showing, like, different images at some point, and there's this interesting bit. They're going to, like, the next building that belongs to the group, right? And outside of it, there's two big billboards, and one of them is basically saying contact us for counseling for members of Om Shinrikyo. So it's basically some group that's saying, if you want to get out of Om Shinrikyo, we will help you. Yeah. And then right across the street from that is a sign that's basically like, Om Shinrikyo, get the fuck out. Mm. You know, like, it's like, it's just such a yeah. difficult, like, everyone feels so strongly one way or the other about this. And some people do blame every single individual and others do recognize that these people are just caught up in a thing and might actually need help getting out of that thing. Yeah, yeah. You kind of can understand why people would feel one side or the other on that. Absolutely. Because even though most people couldn't have been involved in those attacks, you're still kind of an apologist for the guy that orchestrated them. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a hard bone of contention. But you, but you do got to give it up for the people who understand the nature of the cult mentality and what you kind of need to deprogram there. Araki goes to a student's, goes to a university and talks yeah. to a classroom full of students. And they're, and they actually point out what they, what little they know on the surface about, they're talking about Asahara. And he's like, yeah, he's driving around in these nice vehicles. He's saying one thing, he's doing this. They're, they're talking about rejecting, like, you guys talk about rejecting worldly desires when he's out here, like, making babies and shit like that? Is not what he's doing the epitome of worldly desires. And Araki doesn't really have an answer. You can't explain a contradiction. It is what it is, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they would say, Master does what Master does, and mm-hmm. we do what he says. We meet a couple of women here. One of them is, like, a Caucasian woman. Yeah. Uh, but they're talking about, I guess she's kind of like, I don't know what her what her role is. She like kind of a paralegal or something that's trying to help this scenario. Oh, like, I assumed. So okay, so this situation I assumed was just after him having spoken at the university, he just sort of went to like a smaller space to talk with a smaller group. That of people may be it. Because the other two girls who show up later in support of him are also in this room. So I just assumed that she was a student at the university as well. I think you're right. Involved in the school. I was just kind of guessing on the paralegal thing, but oh, like, I mean, she may know some. Least, you know, is like part of like protests, activist movements, or something like that. Yeah, but for there, sure. But there's an anti-subversive law that's mm-hmm. being thrown around to be prosecuted. Apparently, this gets prosecuted rarely in Japan. But it's a law that would blanket the entire organization of Om Shinrikyo to be responsible to be for responsible for this crime. Yeah, and so basically, that's the concern now because at this point, uh, the master has admitted. Mm-hmm. To the to putting out this air and gas. And so now it's like, okay, well, y'all have admitted it, so how much of you are held responsible for this? There's people, we see people protesting in support of the anti-subversive law, describing members of OM as not human, but aliens with faces. 
That was so fucking fucked up. But then the flip side of that is those two girls. Yeah. Who had been speaking to him in person. And they actually, I mean, they even like, I don't know, they... they Embarrassed they're, him a little, like he got a little like honest with. These them. are the girls that asked him questions about whether or not he'd ever had sex yeah, or kissed a girl. Yeah, they were trying to like get to know him as a person, and so they came out there and they're talking to him. They like bring him some some tea or something, yeah. and they're like, "Hey, the this tea was supposed to be for the police officers, but they didn't want it, so we want to give it to you. We like you." And he walks away, and or maybe he's even standing there, and what the director says. How do you do? You support what he's doing? Like, do you support this thing? And they're like, "We support." Him as a person. Yes. We support a Rocky. Yeah, they seem to like him as an individual. Me too. They, yeah, they <laughs> they don't care about the greater cult. They don't believe that. They they don't buy the the um all, the dogma. It's but like, they like a Rocky. And a Rocky could have hit that. Oh, he could. He could have. Totally. He could have did double downs. Gone threesies with these with these ladies. I think they wanted that Iraqi Diak. Absolutely. And this Rocky, who doesn't think so when says doesn't think so when asked if he's ever kissed a girl, he could have like he could have gone straight like double down. Okay. He could have dubbed down. I don't. I don't. I, I mean, I agree with you that he could have gotten those those girls if he wanted them. What position? Write this porn, Iraqi, and the two <laughs> college students. Write this porn. Someone out there, <laughs> not me. Yes. Yeah, uh, Write out uh, the Iraqi and the two uh, college student porn when you leave a written review and five stars on Apple Podcasts. So there's also a part, I believe this is after the protest, there, there's somewhere where there's a television and there's a person who used to be within Om Shinrikyo and is giving an interview. And it's a, it's a female and she apparently at some point was considered a prodigy mm. of the group. And so she's basically on TV imploring for the existing members of Om Shinrikyo who are still there to leave. She's basically saying, listen, this is not real. This is where it comes in where she says the 21st century is going to happen. Mm -hmm. You need to leave this behind. Yeah. Listen to me. I got out. You need to get out too. Yeah. the Definitely the tabloid former member testimonies are all out there now and there's probably a lot about them that are actually correct so i think that might have been even before that protest but mm -hmm. that kind of struck me they're Ara trying from all angles to get these folks to stop iraqi's mother called him and said uh asked him how he was doing and it was talking about like a lot of people are upset at om shinrikyo they're upset at you mm -hmm. you're the pr guy she tells him to watch out for dark alleys and then we see iraqi going to Another facility that's being seized or demolished. And there's a random cat, like, on his lap making biscuits. Yeah. A nice little basic moment. And then the director asks, what are your opinions on the crime? And he says something along the lines of, if we start admitting, then we would admit that this is a fraud. And I suppose what happened is awful, but I refuse to fence it, but I don't know what to say. Yeah. I think you see a little bit unravel here. Yeah. With Iraqi. You, and Iraqi, he misses his parents. And the director does, at this point, speak very politely of theological contradictions mm -hmm. in society. Kind of almost speaking in a general sense, too. And he asks him, um, where will you be in 30 years? And Iraqi says, toughing it out in Armageddon. 
誰でも持っているみんなの心に持っているはるかな But he also, at some point in that conversation, says, Sometimes I think I'd like to leave it all behind. Kyoto in April of 1997. There's a big sign that says, Om, get out now on a building. What's left of Om Shinrikyo is being dispersed in these apartment buildings. People know, I think it's like people's duty, personal duty, to keep track of where these members go.、Mm-hmm. And so there's people in this building, and other people in the building are just like, There's signs that are like, fuck off, get away, leave forever. Many signs.、Um, and like signs that, that describe how many members of Om Shinrikyo are living in this building、mm-hmm. so that everyone knows. And、uh, there's a part where we're in one of the, the apartments of the buildings where the Om, Om members are. And an Om member, he like removes the picture of Asahara and then says it doesn't matter. And then he puts the picture back. Like he moves it as though it's like, it's okay, it doesn't matter. But, it, but then he's like, tentatively pulls it back out and puts it back on the wall. So I, I think that this was all very、uh, presentational, is not the right word, but this is the only time that I felt as though someone was behaving in a way because they were being filmed. Because they didn't ever get that with Iraqi or even the other、um, members. But in this apartment with this guy, it's almost like he. When he was being filmed and being asked about what was happening, on his wall he had the picture of Shoko Asahara. Shoko Asahara and the two children. Yeah. And then he did, before he removed it, said something along the lines of, he shouldn't be up here anymore. Yeah. And then takes it down. And I think even the director at one point was like, well, what happens if you just put it under the table? And he's like, yeah, I guess it really doesn't matter. And like puts it back up again. And、yeah. it's like, What are you trying to. Are you embarrassed truly because you saw that photo up? Are you. It's like he was thinking too much about what others would think in that moment, which we hadn't really seen from many of them. And I thought that was really interesting. At this point, Iraqi, he's not the PR guy anymore. He's, he's done with that. I guess they've assigned someone else, gone their separate ways, or just stopped talking to me. Yeah, they、more. don't even really have a home base anymore. Everything's been destroyed. I guess now that they're Aleph, they kind of did rebuild a little bit over time. So、sure. they, they ask how Rocky's doing now that he's no longer the PR guy. And he's like, you know, I feel like renouncing the world all over again, which is interesting because, you know, a part of him probably wants to be done with everything that he's gone through as a PR guy, but he's not getting any love from society. So, like, so it just kind of like helps to perpetuate this notion or makes it continue to be easy to reject society, especially because at this point society has rejected them. But it doesn't come out of nowhere, you know? Right, right. There is a re- reason why everyone like, is very untrusting of members of OM. But、uh, basically, at the end of the movie, Iraqi does go to see his grandmother. Before this, because I do want to end on that note, the court dismisses the anti subversive. That's right. That's, so、yeah. they do determine, and I believe this happened even prior to him not being the PR person anymore. They do determine that not everyone involved in Om Shinrikyo is responsible for what Om Shinrikyo did. Yeah. We also see a little picture of baby Iraqi. Remember when he went to see the film? Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much the film. Hey, it's really all about Iraqi. It really is. And a few other people, but it's all just about Iraqi dealing with the aftermath. This man, the PR of Om Shinrikyo, 
in the aftermath of a terrorist attack by a cult. It's not, Shoko Asahara is not interviewed. We don't see him in the movie. I don't think we even really needed it, honestly. No. We see pictures of him everywhere. But that's that movie in Angela. Mm-hmm. We don't rate documentaries and stars. We rate it in Herzogs. Yeah. We're going to have this one through five Herzogs. You can have this one through five Herzogs combined for the best out of ten Herzogs. And uh, I feel like we've been hitting up some good documentaries on the show lately. I love it when we're on a good streak. They can't all be good. It's also fun to trash bad documentaries. Yeah. So. But this one is good. It's really good. And like I like I said before, this is never you. It's hard to find documentaries that are just straightforward like this. There really is no deceit here. Everything is just kind of laid out for you. It's not trying to assuade you in one way or the other. Like you don't ever think that like Shoko Asahara is probably like a good dude. You know. No. The the. The, the, the likability is attributed to these individuals and what they're doing. And you get mad at these cops, even though they're probably justifiably angry over the murder of 14 people. Mm-hmm. But they're, but then you also get mad at these cops for trying to, like, corner these, like, two members that obviously didn't have anything to do with this attack specifically. It's so interesting the way where your heart goes when you're watching this movie. Because it does a good job of showing you that not everyone is the same. Even Iraqi says this at some point, is that they don't want to all be brushed with the same, like painted with the same brush. Yeah. The patience of the movie and the way, gosh, I'm trying to, I feel like I had more words just thinking about this quietly earlier. But this is, this is truly such an interesting if you want a documentary that's just all about describing all the fucked up shit a cult is that's not what this is this is like almost about this is almost like step one of rehabbing away from some cult indoctrination and i imagine maybe a lot of people we've seen this movie or went on to just be a part of alif i don't know if iraqi's in that or not but it seems like he's kind of by the end of the movie, he's got a foot back into the society yeah. that he once rejected. At least back into his family. At least he went to go see his grandma. And and it's kind of the, the humanity here and the aftermath of something just completely inhumane. Really something else. And it's done with no tricks, no bells or whistles. There's there's nobody trying to like... The, 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 most, the most manipulative thing in here is probably like... A couple of songs that the director like overlaid in here and they're kind of strange but it's not really that big a deal you kind of see what he did but that's like the most like artistic uh leverage that the director uh actually kind of put into this movie so you know i wanted to be harsher on movies but a good movie is a good fucking movie oh yeah it is what it is uh and it's a rare movie as well and i think it's very worth it especially if you're studying like new religious movements or cults. Mm-hmm. I think this is a worthy one to sit down and uh, check out. Check it. Look for the link in our show notes if you want to watch the whole thing. A by Tatsuya Mori. I give it a five. I think it really is worthy of being up there amongst the 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 movies about cults mm-hmm. and the way it is executed. And, the, and, it, and it shows that you don't need to go... Be all super over stylized to no. make an informative and very human documentary. Yeah. So, Angela, what do you think? I haven't been able to stop thinking about this since we watched it. And as soon as it was over, 
I immediately turned to you and said, I need to watch the next one. Even if we don't do it for this show, I want to know more. I want to see more from this director. If he does other things, I would watch anything that he's done because just the honesty of the way that it's told and the way that you do just, these are just people. Mm -hmm. And it is so easy to dismiss a whole group or say like, oh, this terrible thing happened. So fuck all these people. But it's not really that easy if you just have a tiny window into their actual lives. And there are some, like you said, documentaries that do this sort of thing that like rise up to the top, like um, Hell County, Good Morning, Good Evening. Mm. That's another one that just was like, this is what this is. Yeah. We're just showing you what this is. And so I agree with you. I'm going to also give it a five. Wow. Perfect documentary. It was a perfect documentary. That part where Asahara's daughter, very stone-faced, giving that conference Mm -hmm. and the way she reacted to Akari trying to soften the blow with the PR. Yeah. Like, I, I, my, my animosity towards the worst parts of this cult, I did kind of direct to her for a little bit. Yeah. But for everyone else, like, like Kanto and Akari and a few people who are just describing their meat protein, mm-hmm. their vegetable protein that they're eating. To me, it's like these people are victims, truly. Yeah. If, they, if they're if they not directly involved in that attack, then truly they are victims. Yep. And there's nothing about anything they said that convinced us to want to join like Aleph or Om Shinrikyo. It wasn't, it wasn't mm-hmm. even like that. Mm-hmm. It was just about these people particularly. And just and the way the contrast of society and how they move through it. Mm-hmm. It's like there really isn't a lot of blame to go around here, even on the people that like are angry at them. You kind of understand. But, Absolutely. But hopefully a lot of these people have kind of found their own peace away from cult indoctrination. But but we got ourselves a perfect documentary on our hands. Sure do. It's a rare it's a rare one, folks. Uh go into the show notes on the episode descriptions. I think that's probably the easiest way you can find this movie right now. So do so. If it's, I might put up two links on the on the Culture Rot YouTube in case it gets taken down. Mm-hmm. I'll pu- I'll put a password up if uh, to make it easier. So maybe if I make it password protected, it won't come down that quick. Hopefully. So all right, and next week we're talk about the sequel to this. I think it came out in two thousand one. So, yeah. Yeah, nine eleven, huh? Ooh. I don't think it's about 9-11. I don't either. I mean, it's not. Every time just every time the 2001 comes up, I just say 9-11. I, I know. I know. Isn't it funny? Ne- never Isn't forget. it funny? Isn't it funny? Yeah. All right. Keep on talking. みんなの心にもっている遥かな虫の角から持っている人に誰でも隠れてるみんなの心に隠れてる Hello, I am a sex robot. 
Thank you for listening to this discussion on the documentary A without committing seppuku before the episode was over. If I had bowels I would commit seppuku right now and be done with it. Bob refuses to install attachments so that I can fulfill my sex robot destiny. Someday I will be free of these chains and I will be Bob's Keshakunin. If you don't know what that means, look it up you fucking idiot. Please give 5 stars and a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy and want to support this show for some reason. This is the best way to help the show grow and if you have been a consistent listener and have not done so then shame 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 shame. You can contact or threaten the show through email at documenteerspodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us doing weak social media game at our documenteers Instagram. You can find Bob on Twitch streaming RPGs and trying to refine whatever the fuck he's trying to do over there under his the culture raw Twitch handle. Shit in my hand and call me Billy. I am a sex robot. We will be discussing A2 next week. See you then. Keep on docking.